Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is a character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. We do have the fight coming up at 830. You can text in just the word fight to our Air Comfort Service text line 65780. If you'd like to participate in the fight today, just text the word fight into 65780 and perhaps you will be the person that takes me on in the fight here on 101 ESPN. Michael Jordan's documentary, and it is really Michael Jordan's documentary, uh, Last Dance continued last night. There's only one Sunday night left, two more episodes, nine and ten next week. And last night focused on his baseball career and delved more into the idea that Michael self-motivated himself by building chips to put on his shoulder. One of those occurred during the finals against the Seattle Sonics. George Carl was at the same restaurant as Michael and Ahmad Rashad as they were having dinner. During the finals, we go out to dinner one night. George Carl's over on the other side having dinner. Hey, there's George Carl over there. And George Carl does not come over and speak to him. He walked right past me. Now look at my Really? Oh, so that's how you're going to play it. You know, he just kind of went by, and I went, uh-oh. Should have never done that. I said, it's a crock of You know, we went to Carolina. We know Dean Smith. You got to see him in the summer. We play golf. You going to do this? Okay, fine. That's all I needed. That's all I needed for him to do that. And it, it became personal with me. He's always finding some place to find something to get him all fired up. He used that for every single game. Every game, I'm going to show him. Now, a couple of things. Number one, I I wonder if the roles were reversed. If Michael would have gotten up to leave first, if he would have gone across the restaurant to see George Carl and say hi. Now, we do know that he played cards with Danny Age the night before uh, finals game. So it's possible that he would have. But the big thing here is that he does perceive it as a slight. If if I see a celebrity, if I see Michael Jordan in a restaurant, even if I'm George Carl, I'm thinking, I don't want to bother him. He's he's out to dinner. I don't want to bother him. Mm-hmm. But Michael used it as motivation. You know, Michael used everything as motivation to the umpteenth degree. I wonder if George Carl came over and said hello and was super warm and gracious if he wouldn't have said, oh, he's thinking that we're cool like that. He's thinking Mm -hmm. that I'm so relaxed. (laughs) It, It seems like whatever... It took, he was, whatever you did wasn't going to be the right thing. He was going to find something wrong with what you did and use it as a perceived slight. Exactly right. But I will say this. How many people, though, can say, oh, you didn't, you didn't say hello to me. It's on. And then it actually be on like that. That, I mean, even when he was talking about BJ Armstrong and, you know, BJ makes that, that, three and he kind of lets the bench know mm-hmm. the bulls know like hey I- i'm on fire and he goes bj should have known better <laughs> right. of all people he should have known better 
<laughs> Another thing for me, Randy, and I think this might have been my favorite quote and my favorite moment of the entire docuseries so far, was the Michael Jordan-Gary Payton exchange. I think this documentary was is so brilliant for so many reasons. I love that they are showing people videos of one another's interviews and getting their live yeah. reactions to it. Having Michael Jordan... Like live watch Gary Payton's description of his defense on Michael Jordan in the playoffs. And then Michael Jordan's response was unbelievable. Let's listen to it and then we can break it down. A lot of people back down the bike. I didn't. I made it a point. I said, just tire him out. Tire him out. You just got to tire him out. And I kept hitting him and banging him and hitting him and banging him. It took a toll on Mike. It took a toll, and then <laughs> resting him a little bit, and then the, the, the series changed. And I wish I could have did it earlier. I don't know if the outcome would have been different, but it, it, it was a difference <laughs> and, and beating him down a little bit. The glove. I had no problem with the glove. I had no problem with Gary Payton. I had a lot of other things on my mind. Perception is reality, right? Mm-hmm. What you believe to be true is what you think is true. And I just love that Gary Payton thought, oh, you know, my defense on Jordan in the finals could, you know, could have been the deciding factor had we done it earlier. And Jordan is just so dismissive. And he's like, I had other things on my mind. The only reason you even had a chance is because I was distracted by Father's Day and my father's death and all of these other things. And we talk about Jordan having those perceived slights. I thought he's going to reopen the Jordan Dome and ask Gary Payton to come over after watching <laughs> this and take care of business. Like, th- think about that, too. He carries these slights with him all the time. And then he would take care of them on the court he would enact vengeance watching this documentary and watching what everyone had to say about him and him not having his chance to settle the score if you will has to be eating at him well and he's in his 50s now it's like bringing the guy who got his spot on the varsity when he was a sophomore to his hall of fame induction right come on and but he doesn't let anything go does he no it's amazing how he builds these rivalries and these perceived slights and clearly he has not let go of any of them during this and the other striking thing last night is I don't think Terry Francona is just being nice when he talks about Jordan's ability as a baseball player. And obviously Michael didn't play because he wasn't going to cross the Major League Baseball players picket line in 1995 when replacement players were playing. But that caused the end of his baseball career. And Terry Francona says that's not such a great thing. I can't believe he actually hit 202. He drove in 50 runs. We had a lot of good prospects that didn't drive in 50 runs. In my opinion, with 1,500 at-bats, he'd have found a way to get to the major league. That's pretty amazing that the greatest player in NBA history, and he is a great athlete, would have found a way, according to Jerry Francona, who knows what he's talking about, to make it to the major leagues. Well, we just spoke earlier on the show to Kurt Bloom, who's the voice of the Birmingham Barons, and was there to watch Michael Jordan play front row seat to it. When I asked him to describe Jordan as a baseball player, he said promising. He said, I watched him day in and day out, and I have no doubt that he would have made it to that next level. And I think when when you're singular in a conversation, maybe one to two other people might be even mentioned in the same conversation as you, 
in the NBA. The only way people would have ever seen his baseball career as a success is if he not only made it to the major leagues, but if he was a superstar. Even if he made it to the major leagues and and was a mediocre player at Mm -hmm. best, people would have called it a failure. I wonder if his mentality would have allowed him to be a baseball player, though. Finding that edge, because you you have to be relaxed it's called relaxed intensity in baseball. Mm-hmm. He didn't relax in basketball. And I, I wonder if he would have, A, been able to find that chip on his shoulder and then use it in baseball as effectively as he did in basketball. Well, I think, you know, having himself on the SI cover and all of the people yeah. doubting him. I mean, in every ballpark he would go to, there's got to be somebody that said something to him about, oh, this isn't the hardwood. Mm-hmm. You don't deserve to be here. I, I think that the the fuel that he needed for that fire would have existed. I didn't realize, another thing that this docuseries has taught me, that he never spoke to Sports Illustrated again after that. Don't cross Michael Jordan. He holds a grudge for a long time. He does. (laughs) That's Michelle. I'm Randy. It's Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Another guy who was in that booth in 94, we haven't even asked him about this. Chris Kerber, the voice of the blues, was down in Birmingham then. And he's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. The voice of the blues, Chris Kerber, is with us now on Character and Smallman, and he's on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Kerbs worked in Birmingham calling hockey, and we had Kurt Bloom on earlier, and I didn't realize, Kerbs, that you guys worked together with the Birmingham Barons. Good morning. How you doing? And uh, that's a, a great little piece of history there. Yeah, it's uh, good morning, guys. Uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. CB was was just amazing to me, and uh, I got the job down there to work in hockey. And the two teams, the two teams were great. The, the Bulls on the hockey side, the Barons on the baseball side, and every front office person in both organizations had basically a season ticket card to the other organization. So it was all depending on obviously ticket availability. But if, if there were tickets available, you could walk up, show the card, and they'd just give you two tickets for, for the upcoming game. So I would I, – I, I lived at the Hoover Met uh, a lot of nights. I, I mean, you know me, Randy, and a big baseball guy too. So I, 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 I would go every night. Well, you know, got to know Kurt, and he started bringing me up, and I would uh, – I'd sit in on a few innings. I did uh, – sat in on three or four innings on uh, a couple games that Jordan was playing in, and then – uh, the, the next season, you know, I, I did a lot more innings, which gave Kurt a chance to, uh, to every now and then go sit with his family. But I'd, I'd sometimes be the guy, too, to go down and get the lineup cards from Terry Francona. And it, it's kind of a, a, another fun aspect of just being down in the minor leagues. Curbs, you mentioned that you would get tickets. One of the things that they talked about in the docuseries last night was how tickets to any Jordan event, people were offering them crazy sums of money. When Jordan came to town, were people begging you for tickets to a Barons game? Uh, no, not, not, not that too much. Now, see, he, he was down there. I got down there in, uh, in, I think it would have been, I bet it would have been July is when I moved down there. And, uh, uh, I never had an issue getting tickets. Uh, if a friend came down, we would go. I got a great picture of Jordan coming into third base. Uh, we sat like front row right near third base and he hit a triple that night. Um, but yeah, there, there was really quite a buzz. There was, uh, I think I told the story that. I, my my first apartment down there uh, was probably just about five minutes outside of downtown, if I remember it right. And one of the there was a local company that thought, oh, this is going to be a great idea. We're going to really 
we're going to ride this Jordan thing really well. So they bought a billboard for the entire season to track his batting average. Oh. And, yeah, well, it, you know, it starts <laughs> off pretty well, right? And then, you know, as it's going, it was basically a walking billboard of Jordan hitting, you know, 210, 215, down to 202, at one point, you know, 198. And um, it did stay up for the whole year, but I'm not sure it was the kind of promotion that uh, they were probably hoping for. Curbs, the American Hockey League has just announced that they've canceled the remainder of the 2019-20 AHL regular season and the Calder Cup playoffs due to the COVID-19 crisis. So uh, the Blues San Antonio experience is now complete and their minor leaguers aren't going to get a chance to play anymore. Where do you think we stand right now with the NHL? Well, you know, everything that, that I'm sensing and a couple people I've talked to I, I get the real sense that, that there there is a strong belief that this season will continue. Now, whether that is playing any part of it or not, uh, in New York Post reporting it over the weekend that you know the, the scenario that seems to be you know really getting traction is just going straight into the playoffs. Um, but but Randy, I, I think from an American Hockey League standpoint, just like any minor league sports, you know there, there's you're not really dealing with TV revenue or any of that stuff, mm-hmm. so you're. That is such a gate-driven, and I mean completely gate-driven world that if you can't have fans, I, I, I can't even fathom the idea of why you or how you could possibly operate. And, you know, interestingly enough, I, I think, and Michael Russo brought this up on our show last week, uh, you know, what, what if you can't have fans in some of these places even going into October and November? What do these places do? Does the American Hockey League get fired up on time? Does it, you know, how does it how does it end up working out? Like, what do teams do with their prospects if if they can't? Things like that. I mean, it's again the 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 word I've been using a lot is tentacles. I mean, this is just it's an entanglement of of scenario after scenario that is almost hard to fathom. But I, I do believe that, and you know, I think general managers are starting to really believe that yes, they will be playing at some point in time. He even talked to a couple of players last week, and they haven't been told, hey, get back into town yet or anything, but uh, they're of the belief that they're going to play. Curbs, do you think if the NHL decides to jump right into the playoffs that the four hub cities approach would still be the best route to go? Yeah, it it does seem to make the most sense just because, as as we've seen here, the governor can open up the state, but the county executive could could not. You know, so there's so many different things going on, whether it be at the federal, state, or even local levels in all of these different cities and and municipalities that I think it could be very, very hard, you know, to to pull some of that off. So if they do find a way to do it, I I do think that hub city is going to be the most, uh, the easiest way to do it. And and in all honesty, Michelle, if you really think about it, and and what I think every league ought to be doing right now is, is reading everything that Adam Silver is saying. You know, because his comments that came out from the the call they had with uh, members of the PA last week, I thought just seemed to be spot on from a logical standpoint that if if you're not going to have fans, then you give yourself a better chance to control the situation uh, in a hub city type format. And so it, it does seem to make a lot of sense to me, at least the way things are going right now. Curbs, we're going to do a segment later on in the show about two sport athletes, Michael going over and trying to try baseball. You've watched the Blues for a long time, and you're around them, so you know the athleticism of the players. Is there a Blues player that sticks out in terms of his athleticism where you say, man, that guy could play another sport? 
Uh, oh shoot! Uh, yeah, I would probably think uh, I, I I'm gonna go off to Ryan O'Reilly because the hand-eye coordination and you know and everything else balance all that other kind of stuff. I think I think he'd definitely be able to do another sport. Now, when you do this, I don't think we should count golf, right? No, uh, uh-uh. and, and I have a Ryan O'Reilly. <laughs> I, I have O'Reilly written down because I think he'd be a terrific soccer player. Yeah, yeah, I, I, Ryan O'Reilly. Uh, you know, I think uh, Alexander Steen. Uh, you know, apparently was a real strong soccer player too. Uh, at one point in time, so yeah, I could I could see a couple of them doing it. Here's the question I was thinking over the weekend, right? If I had to pick, at least in my mind, the, the best the best two sport athletes, at least you know, in my lifetime, you'd have to look, and I and I would have to think you think. You think Bo Jackson and Deion Sanders. Mm-hmm. And then I started thinking, boy, if I had to pick one, which one would it be? You know, because I, I know Bo Jackson's power and prowess and all that stuff was just athletically superior and amazing. But good grief, Deion Sanders had some great success, didn't he? He did, but he was never an all-star in baseball. Brian Jordan was an all-star in baseball and an all-pro in football. Yeah, Brian Jordan. Forgot about him, too. Yep, he, he's, he, he's another good one. Yep, but yeah. it's... Really, kind of it. Those guys, it, it is. It's almost sickening, isn't it? That just and and by sickening, I do mean that in a good way, in a cool way. That these guys were so athletic that they could play the sports at such a high level, and they could do multiple ones of them, like just phenomenal. And curbs, they weren't forced into playing one sport. They they didn't have to focus on just one thing. I think that's one of the problems now. I think guys could do it, but you can't find people that play multiple sports, kids that play multiple sports anymore. And and you know what? Every time you talk and I you know, I, I talk to doctors, uh, I talk to, you know, Rick Lehman a lot and just even even when you talk to pro athletes these days, the pro athletes will talk about the different sports that they played. You know, and, and it's almost like the schedules that you have with kids, and I've got three daughters. A couple of them are in, in the sports world. One was just a walking injury, so we just <laughs> we, we dumped her in the pool. But, the, um, you, you know, they uh, e- even even for the girls. Like, no, you don't, you don't need to be playing soccer year-round. We're going to take a couple months off and go, go play basketball. I mean, it's just, it's just better. And, and even, I mean, pro athletes today talk about having played the multiple sports. It's... Doctors talk about it being better for the kids' bodies and stuff like that. I'm, I'm floored, uh, to be honest with you. When you hear of, you know, youth baseball players playing 65, 70 games, you know, and, and it just just blows my mind. So I, man, I agree with you. They, they I, I wonder if I think you'll still see it because I, I still believe that the true pro athletes, Randy, they get to that level, have got that athleticism. And and there are enough of them, I would hope, that still played some multiple sports to give it some options. Because I, I still think it's fantastic when a guy does it, and I hope we see, you know, it happen a few more times. I think it's interesting when we talk about two sport athletes. We talk about hockey players and what other sport they could potentially play. We're not talking about really other sport athletes jumping into hockey because I think <laughs> that to be a hockey player, the conditioning, the the mental toughness that you need. If if you're a baseball player, I mean, we always talked about Chris Carpenter could probably throw on a jersey and go out and play hockey, but it's very rare that if you're in another sport that you could jump into hockey and make that your second sport. Well, John Tudor was a good hockey player, mm-hmm. um, but the difference is is whether it's Carpenter, whether it's Tudor, what, shoot, here in St. Louis, whether it's Kerry Robinson, 
you know, who played high school hockey. Like, they played that sport at a younger age, you know, and and I, that's that's the biggest difference. The skill of learning to skate is is different than putting on a pair of shoes and, and running. Everybody's run. You know, everybody in, in some way, shape, or form is – Maybe you know played some kind of basketball. Not it doesn't even have to be organized, but just maybe you bounced the ball in your hands a few times, and you know and it sparks an interest. And I'm not I'm not saying that it takes more athleticism to do one than the other, but I just think that the training, the training at 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 a level to get going at it, is one that is is such a huge key here. Like even hockey players run right, so it, hockey's the one sport where you've got artificial limbs to basically to uh, to play. Uh, you've got skates on your feet, and you've got a stick in your hand. So I, I think that's why you see it. Now, I, I still think it'd be fantastic. I mean, it, it'd be something to find a top athlete somewhere that hasn't played and say, okay, we're going to give you some skating lessons, and let's go see if we can make you into a hockey player. I'd watch that documentary. Yeah, no <laughs> doubt. Hey, Curbs, before we let you go, 1984, Ron Caron, in his first draft for the Blues, really wants a uh, young forward out of Boston. And uh, L.A. takes him right before the Blues in the fourth round. His name was Tom Glavin. And obviously, he, he doesn't wind up going to the Kings. Caron calls over to the Cardinals and said, Ah, you should take this left-hander. He's good. <laughs> and the Cardinals don't take him, and he winds up going to Atlanta in the second round. But... He didn't want Glavin to sign with the Kings, so he wanted the Cardinals to take him so that they would sign him. You know what, Ron Caron was as as well. I mean, the guy he was known as the Professor, right? It, it was his nickname in hockey, right? But he was a diehard, and I mean diehard, passionate baseball man, Huge. and he knew. So, so kind of pulling us back to, to, to center where we started, uh, the. the the guy that brought the Birmingham Barons and kind of got them going back in Birmingham again was a guy by the name of Art Clarkson. Then Art sold uh, off the Birmingham Barons to a, a Japanese investing group called Suntory Group. And then Art put the Birmingham Bulls in the East Coast Hockey League. Um, his first coach was Phil Roberto, the former Blue. And then and, and Phil, was, Phil was the coach uh, while I was down there for a couple of years. So um, they, Ron Caron would call down on a regular basis to talk to Art Clarkson and talk baseball with Art. And there was one day I sat there and uh, I answered the phone, oh, Birmingham Bulls, and I knew the moment it was. I could tell who it was. He said, yeah, is Art Clarkson there? And you knew exactly that who it was. I introduced myself to him, and at that point I loved watching Ian LaPerriere play, right? And I said, I, so I said to Mr. Caron, I said, Mr. Caron, before I get you over to Art, uh, uh, can I talk hockey with you? I, I really love watching Ian LaPerriere around and hit everything in sight. And I'll never, he looks. He, he says into the phone, he says, yep, but I tell him to keep your head up because if you don't do that, you are going to get killed. <laughs> and so we, so and he would call down there. Art passed away uh, within the last year. But Ron Caron would, used to call down just to talk baseball with Art Clarkson, who ran the Birmingham Bulls at the time. That's fantastic. Curbs, always good to talk to you, sir. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. All right, you two. Have fun. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks. That is the voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber. By the way, Glavin taking number 69. Two picks later, the pick that the Blues wanted to take Glavin with, they took a defenseman by the name of Graham Herring, who never made it to the National Hockey League. Wow. So. 
history could have been changed. Really could and have. if uh, the Cardinals would have listened to Mr. Karan, they could have had Tom Glavin. That would have been nice. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, don't forget, you'll be able to hear Curbs later this week as 101 ESPN presents Play Gloria, the Blues Run to the Cup. Every Thursday and Friday night, hear the replay of two classic games from the 2019 historic Run to the Cup. And you can relive each game with added insight and behind-the-scenes commentary from Chris Kerber, Alex Ferrario, and Joe Vitale. Thursday night, the Blues and Sharks Game 3 Michelle, the hand pass game. Oh, we'll be locked into that one, Randy. We will. We were, and we were despondent after game three against the Sharks last year. Pre-game at six, play-by-play at seven. Play Gloria, the Blues run to the cup. Brought to you by Mitsubishi Electric, cooling and heating. The fight is next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Welcome back to Carriker and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. It's 8.36 in the morning. And before we welcome in our fighter today, let's bring in Tommy Freeze Pops. Freeze Pops, what are we fighting for this week? We are fighting for a gift card to Dog Prairie Tavern and experience St. Paul's hidden gem. Dog Prairie Tavern is offering carryout of food and drinks and is now open on their patio with a full menu and bar while practicing social distancing. We also have a chance to score a gift card all week on the 101 ESPN app for everyone not playing in the fight today. Enter the code word MEAT, M-E-A-T, MEAT, producer of the fast lane, and uh, you get a chance to win that gift card. Thank you, as always, for that spelling, in case people were confused, <laughs> M-E-A-T, MEAT. And I want to remind everybody, coming up next segment, Randy and I are going to talk about pro athletes that we think would excel at other sports at the professional level, kind of like Jordan did with basketball, baseball, etc. We just talked about it with Chris Kerber and Tom Glavin. But we want to hear from you, so sending your mic drops or sending your text to 65780 and let us know which pro athletes you think could be dual sport athletes. All right, well, let's welcome in Terry, our fighter today. Terry, how are you feeling this morning? Oh, I'm feeling good, Michelle. How you doing? I'm doing well, and I like your confidence. I can hear it in your voice, Terry, that you're ready to go. Let's do it. All right, question number one. Who is the only Cardinals pitcher to win 30 games in a season? Is it Chris Carpenter, Dizzy Dean, or Steve Carlton? Uh, let's go Dizzy Dean. Question number two. We all know Zion Williamson played college basketball at Duke. But what state did last year's number one pick play his high school basketball? Was it California, South Carolina, or Alabama? Alabama. Question number three, Terry. The football Cardinals played their final season in St. Louis in 1987. Who was the starting quarterback for the Big Red that season? Was it Neil Lomax, Jim Hart, or Charlie Johnson? Oh, boy. Let's go Charlie Johnson. All right, question number four. Chris Pronger's number 44 is going to be retired by the Blues next season. Which NHL team did Pronger end his career with? Was it the Hartford Whalers, the Anaheim Ducks, or the Philadelphia Flyers? Flyers. All right, good outing by Terry. Let's bring in Randy. We are sending Colin out to find Randy. Where did Randy go? Do you, are you, is he in your sight line, Michelle, ever? He, he is now, but not normally, Freeze Pops. When you come back to studio, it's going to be your job to hunt him down. I don't okay. know if he goes to the the kitchen area, the restroom. I don't know what Randy's doing during this time. Well, we I can't a bunker see for him. Randy. <laughs> Randy's I was talking here. to our bosses. Oh, okay. And they just walked away, so. They, wa- yeah. they walked away. A good thing or a bad thing? <laughs> well, that's, I, I think it's a good thing. Okay. <laughs> Randy, say hello to Terry, your challenger today. Hey, Terry, how you doing? 
I'm good, Randy. How you doing, man? Doing well. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. You betcha. Randy, you ready to go? I'm ready. Question number one. Who is the only Cardinals pitcher to win 30 games in a season? Dizzy Dean. Question number two. We all know Zion Williamson played college basketball at Duke, but what state did last year's number one pick play his high school basketball? Hmm. Where was he? Was he in? I'm going to go South Carolina. Randy, question number three. The football Cardinals played their final season in St. Louis in 1987. Who was the starting quarterback of the Big Red that season? He got benched for a couple of games, but it was Neil Lomax. Question number four. Chris Pronger's number 44 is going to be retired by the Blues next season. Which NHL team did Pronger end his career with? He ended his career wearing number 20 for the Philadelphia Flyers. We have a winner. Hearing Jack Buck's voice, you know that that means a clean sweep for Randy. Sorry, Terry, he beat you 4-2. to To run through the answers here, the only Cardinals pitcher to win 30 games in a season was Dizzy Dean. Zion Williamson played high school basketball in South Carolina. Neil Lomax was the starting quarterback for the Big Red in their final season in St. Louis, 1987. And Pronger ended his career with the Philadelphia Flyers. There you go. Good stuff, Randy. You guys stay safe. Thank you. Thanks, you too. Terry. Appreciate it. Terry with us on 101 ESPN. Uh, it just hit me, you know, that's, it's people that, uh, grew up in my era, remember the, uh, it, it was kind of a, a slide projector and my mind is like a slide projector and it, it's kind of like rotating around and then all of a sudden <laughs> that slide pops up with South Carolina. So that's how I figured that one out. That was really good. I thought you might ask for the lifeline on that one, but I saw you pull it out at the last yeah. second. Well, I didn't realize there were lifelines. Oh, he can yeah. ask for one, I yeah. Can, I can ask there for one. There we go. I'm learning things every day. Yeah, see something new with the fight <laughs> here on go. 101 ESPN. And uh, we you have... Just, you've never known that, Freeze Pops, because your questions aren't hard enough to ask for oh. a lifeline. Hey, that was a hard question. Zion question, kidding. that was a hard question. That was a good one. That was good. I thought he was going to need it. And a former Giants quarterback, it was uh, Scott Brunel, came in and Gene Stalling started him for a couple of games in 87, but then Neil got the job back. And they actually, the last game as the St. Louis Cardinals, they went to Dallas with a chance to make the playoffs, but then they blew it. Man. Lost it. That would have been wild if their last game as the St. Louis Cardinals would have been a playoff game. Do you think if they would have made a deep run in the playoff, it would, playoffs it would have ever mattered? It was over. They it were was done. over? Yeah. yeah, it was over by then. Coming up next here on 101 ESPN with Carriker and Smallman, we've seen... This great docuseries, Last Dance, about Michael Jordan. And last night, the focus on his baseball career. Which pro athletes would excel at other sports at the pro level? And what about local guys? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> We saw a lot of Michael Jordan's baseball career last night. It was interesting to hear Terry Francona say if he would have had 15 at-bats, he could have been a major league player. And we want you to weigh in via the text line, the Air Comfort Service text line, 65780, or you can send us a mic drop. Who do you think would be an athlete that could play in another sport, and especially local guys, either current or former, that would fit that mold? That It doesn't have to be a particular sport. Who could be a multi-sport guy? or gal, because Kristen Fokel was an unbelievable volleyball player and 
basketball player, JJK. JJK played in the WNBA. Yeah, she's an amazing, amazing athlete. She so really is. It could be uh, anybody that you think of that could play multiple sports. Who do you got? Who do you got? So I think a lot of people always think about LeBron. There was always mm-hmm. the conversation yeah. of what he would look like in the NFL. I wrote down several people. One person I always thought could easily be a dual sport athlete is Matt Holliday. He obviously was a great baseball player. Mm-hmm. I thought you could throw him on a football field, and I know he played football in his past and his youth. I, that guy could go out there and be a linebacker, perhaps a safety, absolutely no, he, without he a doubt. He turned down a scholarship to go to Oklahoma State as their quarterback. As a quarterback, there yeah. you go. But he was just so so big when yeah. he played baseball that you would think of him in, in a defensive capacity. Absolutely would. What about you, Randy? I think Orlando Pace could have played in the NBA if he would have committed himself. He just so athletic and built like a power forward. Bob Gibson played for the Globetrotters, and he could. Everybody that saw him play basketball says that he could have played in the NBA and. A couple of baseball players or hockey players that could have played the the other sport. Uh, Pierre Turgeon here uh, was a, he played in the Little League World Series. He was good enough to do that. And I mentioned earlier with curves. I think Ryan O'Reilly is athletic enough that he could be a soccer player. Oh, definitely. A couple other people I wrote down. I would love to see Usain Bolt on a football field. He mm-hmm. can just outrun everybody. I yeah. mean, you don't really even need to design a play for him. Right, just, just have let him, him run. Just let him run and get him the ball. Michael Phelps is somebody that I wrote down because of his size and think of the conditioning that it takes to be a swimmer. I I wonder what he would look like as a basketball player. Just the conditioning and the size he has. I bet he could excel in basketball. And then I wrote down Yachty or Molina. I would love to see Yachty as a boxer. Oh, man, good call. Especially now that he's so lean and fit and just, I mean, we talk about about that competitive energy that he has. I would not want to cross Yachty. Can't you imagine him at the at the weigh-ins if somebody says anything to Yachty in the weigh-ins? Good luck. <laughs> How about Harrison Bader as a defensive back in football? I could see it. He can run. He's got the speed, yeah. He's about yep. 200 pounds, 6 foot, 200 pounds. I, I would think that, uh, I would be surprised if he didn't have some football in his past. Uh, most recent to my mind, Russell Wilson, mm-hmm. second baseman. Uh, Kyler Murray, uh, obviously, could have played baseball. He was a first-round pick. And Jameis was a terrific baseball player, too. Yeah, good, that's true. Good text from the 314. When you, when you think about guys that you think could play both sports, you kind of think of body type. One other guy I was thinking of, and I couldn't really necessarily place him for what sport I think he would be great in, Miles Michaelis is a guy that is just built like an athlete that you mm-hmm. could plug and play, I think, in basketball and football. He's just an athlete. He is... I mean, he's huge. He, right. And, and he looks he, he looks the part for a tight end. Yep. He looks the part for a basketball player. He just seems like a guy that could go and play sports. Here's a mic drop to the 101 ESPN app from Elisa. My favorite pick for dual athlete would be my favorite player, Chris Carpenter. I think he's got the tenacity, the athleticism, the drive, all of the above to be a hockey player and a baseball player, maybe even a tight end. Who knows? Anyway, Chris Carpenter is my pick. Stay safe, Paul. He was actually kind of scary for Blues players when he would practice with them. I wouldn't want to cross Chris Carpenter. He's as big as Pronger. And as mean as Pronger. Oh, man. <laughs> and he's probably going in there to have a good time, but like the Michael Jordan energy yep. that he brings, I'm sure that, yeah, imagine getting checked by Chris Carpenter. Yikes. Mm-hmm. This is a great text from the 636. Jim Brown. He was better at lacrosse at Syracuse than he was at football. Hard to imagine Imagine a man among children, bigger and faster, a lethal combo. Imagine if he learned to skate. Wow. Yeah. Good point. He was an amazing all-around athlete. 
and somebody mentions from the 217, Pronger could probably tight, play tight end as well. We mentioned Carp, we mentioned LeBron, uh, Prong 6'6", six, six, and he could build up on that 210, 220, get to 230, and could have been a tight end. Without a doubt. What about quarterbacks? We mentioned Russell Wilson. Is there any other quarterbacks in the NFL right now? Like, I look at Patrick Mahomes, and he obviously could have played baseball. I feel yep. like he could have played a lot of different sports. His dad was a major leaguer. That's right. Just raw athleticism. But what about, like, a Tom Brady? Or, I mean, Ben Roethlisberger is a guy that you think could probably play another sport at some point, right? Yeah, I definitely could have seen Brady as a baseball player. There's no doubt. Yeah. Big Ben... A good question. I, he's kind of lumbering. Mm-hmm. He's perfect for playing quarterback. I wonder if he has the athleticism to to move to another sport that requires athleticism. Basketball, maybe. I don't know. I don't know if he has the finesse for basketball. <laughs> no, it, he would fall out a lot. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. Uh, but uh, you look around. Uh, I, I would think Dak Prescott is athletic enough that he could have probably played another sport. Uh, who else? There's got to be a few out there that, you know, Texas, oh, 65780. Colin with a great call. What about Lamar Jackson? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a, you talk about athleticism. He's got lots and lots of that. And Deshaun, too. Deshaun Watson could have played uh, multiple sports. 65780 is the text line here on 101 ESPN, and we go back to you on that text line. And... Uh, this one just in, Bennington, a stone-cold darts player. <laughs> I could see Bennington as a killer bowler, like an Ernie McCracken-type bowler. Yeah. Laser I, focus. Uh-huh. Brings that, and that I'm not nervous energy and full transparency. I just watched The Big Lebowski for the first time, so I've got bowling on the mind. <laughs> but I think Bennington could be a great bowler. Uh, from the 636, Vince Coleman was a punter. He was, his and his cousin, Greg Coleman, is a sideline reporter for the Vikings now. He was the Vikings punter for many years. Vince planned on punting in the NFL. Wow. And he he would have been really good. (laughs) From the 618, I'm not sure about this. Wayno could easily be a NASCAR driver. Wayno's 6'7". So I don't know that he would fit easily into that NASCAR vehicle. Yeah, seems like a tight squeeze. Yeah. How about Yachty as a goalie? I, I could see it. Get him on skates. Yeah. Certainly has the, at least in his prime, the reflexes and the abilities to be a goaltender, right? I could see it. And he's not afraid of anything. So it's not Mm -hmm. like a a puck coming at him would scare him in any way. Yeah. Uh, From the 314, our guy Drew Locke had several D1 offers, I would assume, as a basketball player. So he he would have been good. Peter Zezel, the late great former Blue was a terrific soccer player and used his soccer abilities to become a great faceoff man in the NHL. So he, he could have been a two-sport guy. And what about Mike Trout? Somebody suggests Mike Trout from the 314. Do you, do you look at Mike as a uh, – he's, he's kind of blocky built. He's built like a football player. Yeah. He's not built like a baseball no, player. No, he's not. So, yeah, I could definitely see Mike Trout being a multi-sport athlete. Without a and doubt. I wonder what he, – he might be uh, a – defensive player, a linebacker yeah. in the NFL. Yeah, you could see him being a Mike linebacker for sure. Yeah. He kind of looks like that when he steps into the batter's box. <laughs> he does. So that's a good call. And uh, finally, uh, this one, let's see. <laughs> Jonathan Quick, goaltender in hockey. Oh, Yachty would be like Jonathan Quick, a goaltender in hockey. Uh, Jay Novacek, former Cowboys tight end as a Bronco rider. Mm. Cowboys like to get up on those bucking Broncos. 
I didn't even consider a cowboy. <laughs> no, me either. And in, and in that case, Madison Bumgarner is already a two-sport athlete. He is. That's right. What was it, Mason Saunders? Yeah, right. Professional athlete. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. you know, okay. no disrespect, Madison. I'm sorry we left. We omitted you from this list. We've got a winner here. <laughs> That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up today's big thing on 101 ESPN. That was the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.